0: Well, it's great to be with you this morning, Jared. Thanks so much. Uh, I, uh, it's hard to believe it's been two years uh, since it's, uh, since we moved on from here and, and went to do uh, begin a different ministry. And so uh, it was this month in in November two years ago that uh, we finished here. And I, my wife wishes she could be here this morning. I was able to come with my older three daughters. Our youngest daughter unfortunately came down with pneumonia in the last couple of days, and so it's one of those things where we couldn't really take her out. And so Shannon is with her this morning, but uh, she sends her greetings and love as well. So, man, this is great. Look what you've done with the place. I love what you've done with the place. Very, <laughs> very nice. And and uh, and to be here gathered now, second service, full house both times. I love seeing what's happening here, Jared. And, and you guys have such a great leader in Jared, and I've been so excited to, to get to know Jared over the last uh, year or so, even more. And we've gotten to spend some time together, and and it's always been a lot of fun to connect and to hear and to see what's going on now i recognize many of you and there's some of you that i don't which is always great because uh new folks are coming and involved and a part of the church and so um i just i look forward to meeting you and and whether you know it or not a big part of my heart uh and life and story and our family is a part of this church and so we feel very connected with you and and in the course of this morning, I really, uh, in some ways, just kind of want to pull up a Lazy Boy, or maybe I'll pull up the stool here, and just want to share some stories. I want to share a little bit about um, just some shared experiences that we've had as a church, some that you've been a part of, some that maybe you haven't been a part of, some that will be information to you that just gets you to understand a little bit about um, One Community Church and, and a bit of our, our story that that brought us here. And, and really, the, the older I get... Uh, the more I tend to appreciate history. How many of you do appreciate history? <laughs> How many of you are just raising your hand because that sounds like the good thing to say? <laughs> oh, yeah, we can't, can't not appreciate history. I didn't always appreciate history, at least not like I'm continuing to do so, because I think when I was younger, a lot of it was like, ah, tradition, history, things in the past, it's so unimportant, doesn't matter, this is now, this is the future, we keep moving forward. And, and what happens though is we we, we lose some of that connectivity. We lose that perspective. And so as I, as I get a little older, I just turned 44 this last month, so I'm becoming an old man now, and somebody commented on the extra gray hairs that I had shaved off yesterday, hoping you guys wouldn't notice, but uh, <laughs> too late. Uh, the more I do that, the more I realize the importance of history and, and what that, that role plays in, in the stories that, that shape us. And when we look at the scheme of history, even in our world, uh, one thing it does for me is, it, it does two things. One, it reminds me, how absolutely insignificant and unimportant I am. And that's a really good thing. Because sometimes we get so wrapped up and we think everything revolves around us and everything is now and everything's so important and we step back and we see the scope of what's happened and we realize, man, I'm just a speck. I'm just a speck on this planet and, and a moment in time. And, and, and it's, it's a humbling piece that reminds us that, man, there's so much more to this life than just us and now and here. But at the same time, what history also does is it reminds us that actually I'm very important and that you're very important, that we each play a very significant role in the moment and time in the place and the space and the people that God has put us around, that he's given us something to do and that we are part of the story. And so in order for me to know my place in the here and now and going forward, I also need to know where am I in the larger scheme of things. And so there's lots of histories and there's a history to this church. And there's a history that brought this church about, and there's some DNA that, that brought us to this place, and yet it continues to evolve. It continues to to shape and to form as as people come in. And so, like I said, today I want to take some time to do some reflecting and to share some stories of our past that were part of this identity, I think, that that shaped uh, One Community Church to the point that, that we were involved. And yet, at the same time, we don't want to stop there. We want to look forward to see what God is doing, because he's been doing some great things, some big things, and some big... Uh, plans that are still ahead for the church. And so we want to take that time together and and realize the importance of history. How many of you guys uh, watched uh, game seven of the World Series this past week, right? I mean, as you guys know, I am a huge baseball fan. I'm not actually, but that's okay. Um, I've watched one whole game this last week, this last year, and that was game seven. But what a cool game, wasn't it? I mean, talk about a game that had everything. If every baseball game was like that, I think I'd be watching a lot more baseball. And and sometimes they say baseball is a metaphor for life, and usually I, I disagree with that statement because it's just really boring most of the time, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and maybe that is a metaphor for some lives, I don't know. But, uh, but this game, this game really represented for me a metaphor of life. I mean, challenges and the ups and the downs and home runs and errors and wild pitches and game delays and rain delays and, and pep talks and you name it. But, but, you know, a lot of games, game sevens are exciting. In sports, but what made this game different than others was the perspective of history. Right, there's something about this World Series, this game seven, that was different than almost any other World Series game and, and different than every other one. Why, because of these long droughts? Right, the Cleveland Indians since the 1940s haven't won a championship, and the Cubs, we all know the number now. Right, how many years has it been? 108 years. I mean, that is like almost a biblical eternity that they, that, you know, since they won a championship. And knowing that backstory, though, that created such a different dynamic for that championship. All of a sudden, it was bringing history into play and what the significance was in that moment. People were you know, watching the game I saw on TV at somebody's gravesite, right? Like, this person so badly wanted that championship, and, and they were aware of the significance of the moment. And then I also heard somebody else say, now that they're champions, they don't just stop and go, great, we've done it, we've arrived, now what are they trying to do? They want to win another championship, now they want to become a championship team, and they look forward, and now all that stuff is behind. And so what I want to talk about today is this perspective of history, but this idea of pressing on. How do we keep pressing on? Because in life, it's so easy to at different times kind of want to throw in the towel, or to say, I think, you know, this is it, or I can't go any further, or this is... Taken everything from me. How do I keep going? How do I keep pressing on? So, we're going to look back, we're going to look at what is, and we're going to talk about pressing on. So, um, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and, and pray and prepare for the message. I want to look at um, some, some verses out of the book of Philippians in just a moment. So, let's pray and just ask God to, uh, to really open our hearts. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place and this space and this time and, and uh, just the chance to be with the One Community Church family. God, we've uh, many of us have gone through many different things over the last many years, and uh, and we share some fun stories and and shared experiences. We share a mission and a passion, and Father, I just pray today for this church going forward and the plans that you have and what you're going to do here. It's exciting, God. I'm so encouraged this morning by the worship, by the friendship, by the love, by the heart and passion for the young people, and and just to continue to worship and. and and honor you in this place. And so, God, today, open our hearts. Make us aware of the bigger story that we're a part of. God, just inspire us for what you have. Doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. So when I thought about coming back and like, what do I what do I preach? What do I teach on? Jared, give me a series. What do you want? What do you want to preach on? And he said, The Bible is yours. <laughs> right? Whatever, you know, we're not in a series. Share what you want. And I thought, okay, what do I share? And I really realized this isn't just me going to a church and preaching somewhere like I have done you know, in different times and you share a message. We're family. We're community. And even though I don't know some of you, my heart is a part of this place. And so I thought about what do I bring and what in Scripture kind of seems to speak to that. And I thought about Paul, the Apostle Paul, who after his radical conversion to Christ, this amazing moment where God just completely captured him and and he saw Jesus and he's like, I'm going on mission for Christ. And what he began to do is he began to plant and start churches in all different kinds of cities like Corinth and Philippi and Ephesus, and he would travel throughout the region. And where he would, when he would go to these places, he would gather together people that were either curious about the faith or, or Jews that had been transplanted, he began to teach them about Jesus. And, and a lot of, especially unbelievers, were the biggest part of those that he reached. And he would teach them, and he would, they would be baptized, and he would gather them together as the church. And so in these different cities, churches would form, and he'd spend a few years there, and then he'd move on, and he would start a church in another place, and in another place. And then what we have in Scripture, we have, you know, a good part of the New Testament is these, are these letters, right? And these letters are named after the cities of the people that live there. So in Corinth, the, we have the book of Corinthians, which was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the Corinthian people there. And in, in Ephesus, he wrote to the... All right, and to the people in Philippi, he wrote... All right, very good. We're on that. And so, when I came here today, I thought, what am I going to do? This is going to be like my letter to you. And so, I'm writing a letter to the <laughs> what are we? <laughs> the Oneeans? The, the Onesies? The <laughs> the, the Onesians? The onesies, alright, so we'll write, this is my letter to the onesies, but I get to deliver it in, in person. And so I, I, I looked at these letters and I thought, you know, here's Paul after years. He comes back and he threw letter form and he shares his heart with this body of believers that I'm sure had even changed in the time that he was there with new people, but, but he's expressing his heart to them. And so let's look through the book of Philippians today as a guide. I want to grab a few verses and, uh, of a couple of different parts of that book to not only express what Paul was challenging the church with, but my heart for you and for us together. So 1st uh, let's look at Philippians uh, 1, verses 1 through 5. Again, this is a letter. We're reading these, these heartfelt letters. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then he says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. You get the sense of this warmth of, of Paul in this moment. Sometimes we don't think of Paul as a very warm guy. We see him as kind of going after it and always always on the go. But here he pauses and he just looks back. And he's as he's writing this letter, he's in a prison cell. He's, uh, he's, he's far from these these friends of his, and he's writing this letter, and he says, every time I think of you, right, I give thanks to God. He's got these fond memories in his heart because what he realizes is that ministry is personal. That when we share together in the church, when we share together in faith, it's personal. It's not just some activity that we go to. It's not just some kind of organization. When church is truly the way it ought to be, it's a community of people. In relationship, sharing life together. Praying for each other when we have injuries, when we have challenges, when relationship struggles come, when health issues are there, when job crisis comes, when, when we celebrate that somebody won a championship in a sports game or a birthday or a Thanksgiving and holidays. It's community. And Paul realizes this is a family, and even though he's not a part of that family in a day-to-day activity anymore, they have a special place in his heart. And as I think about you, and as I think about the time that we spent here together, uh, about nine years of our life from 2005 we began dreaming of this place we moved here in 2006 and we spent so many years together until 2014 with with you it's a big portion of our lives invested here and our heart is definitely a part of what's going on here i whenever i see see jared i'm always going what's happening at one tell me what's going on and and we start talking about something we don't gossip we don't gossip i do but i do want a little bit a little bit, but we do. We just—I just, just want to hear. I want to hear what's going on, what's happening. Tell me about the church and where you're going, but also with people and how are they doing? Are they there? And who, how's it going? And and it's this this connection that we share. And our girls, you know, I, I got to come with you know three of three of our girls, and they were so excited to come back to this place to see again. And they're coming. Oh, it's so different, Dad. Did you see the rooms and what they did? It's so cool. And, and they're getting nostalgic. And and our, and they're like you know eleven ten and. And, uh, and seven right now, and we're driving down here, and they're as they're driving down ellsworth they're all like, "Oh, I remember this and, and I remember that, and I remember going to the post office, and then we drove by the tractor supply, and they 're like, "Oh and I remember that i'm like there's no way you remember that because it didn 't exist two years ago you 're full of it." <laughs> And then I drove them past their school. I'm like, oh, we used to walk into the school. And so even they get a sense of this history and the story. But what they were excited about was coming here and seeing some of their friends and seeing some of the, the, the girls that they ran around with in, 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 the, in the ministry here. But here we baptized. Uh, we, we, we baptized people. We were part of relationships. We were part of child dedications. Three of my children were dedicated in, in the church here. And we committed to being a part of each other's lives. And you were that. And we were in each other's homes and And so ministry really is a part of something together. And and, and that's why I too, like Paul, have a fond place in my heart for each of you and thank God for you and for this church and for this ministry. Then he says, we have been partners in spreading the good news about Christ. See, it's not just being good neighbors and, and, and hanging out together, but it's what brings us together. It's a partnership in sharing the good news about Christ. And that has been a heart of this church is to reach out, to do things, to risk things, to go, who can we reach and how can we communicate that good news? And I think about some of the things that we did. We would do church at a golf course. How many of you guys were part of church at a golf course? A couple of you still remember that, right? We tried 37-minute church. Wasn't that, how many of you guys have been, sign me up for that, 37-minute church. I can't even preach for 37 minutes. That's too, that's too, too tight of a time frame. Um, but you know, what can we do to reach people far from Christ? Let's try something different. Remember the, the time we, uh, we wanted to do an Easter egg hunt, but a lot of churches and different groups were doing that. We wanted to be a little different. And so that's just kind of always the DNA, right? It's got to be a little different, a little crazy. We did a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt. We've never seen anybody do it. We want to do it, and so we try to figure out how to make eggs glow in the dark. And we did this at night—an Easter egg hunt in the dark. And we started putting it on a Facebook. It was the only way we were going to kind of promote it. And all of a sudden, we started realizing—I think this thing's going viral. Like people are sharing it and going, "Hey, I'm going. You going?" And they're sharing it. And we're thinking, "How many people are going to show up?" We thought, you know, we planned for a couple hundred, maybe. I think it was like a thousand people. We never could quite count. It was dark, but it was—and we were overrun with people and. And it was crazy, and it was fun, and it was good, and we got to meet people. And and it just spoke of the heart of you, of us as a church, to say, what can we do? What can we do to, 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 to go out and to reach people, to make connections, to take risks, that we can be partners in spreading the good news about Christ? Well, we started something great together, but the story continued. And here Paul continues too in verses 6 and 7. He says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, He's going to continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And then he says again about this relationship, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. But what Paul continues to remind them, and this is part of this pressing on message, even though we look back, it's about inspiring us to go forward. He says that he's certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work. And he's doing that as we hear the stories and as I see what you're doing here. He's continuing that work. But but what is that foundation, that beginning of that work? The beginning of the work often defines some of that DNA that gets carried on and that, that gets put in, even though that evolves over time. And, and the piece that I just want to focus on briefly here is the name. One Community Church. One. You know, when we were, when we were starting the church, we had this unique opportunity to, to name a church. How many, how many of you have got to name a church before, right? We've got to name our kids, and you think the significance of a name for kids and what that means. And, and, uh, and so we went through what, what could be communicated in this. What name do we want to have? And we have lists of names and, and ideas. And then one, one night it hit me as I was reading Luke 15. And in Luke 15, if, if you're familiar with that chapter, Jesus tells three short stories in Luke 15. And it's a story about a lost sheep, a story of a lost coin, and the story of a lost son, right? All three lost things. And he talks about, in different ways through these stories, the effort that was put forth to find this lost one, this lost thing. What it wouldn't take to go after that. And the lost son who returns finally with open arms and to a father that loves and that shows grace. And I thought, you know, we want to be that kind of church that goes after the lost one. Because as the scripture said, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who returns than over the 99 that never left. And so we continue to minister to the 99, but our mission and our heart is to reach the one because you know what? Each of us has been that one. And when we come and we realize we were that one and there are others that need to experience this community, that need to experience life, and then out of many, we become one. (laughs) Out of many, we become one as we, we talk and use that phrase. And over the years, we've used different ways to communicate that. You know, we're a church for people who don't like church. It was a phrase we used for many years in the beginning to communicate, hey, this is a different place. This is a place where, where it's okay to explore God. It's okay to come not knowing. It's okay to discover what it means, and you're going to find a community that welcomes you. And those phrases like live, love, or belong, believe, become, or one people, one passion, one purpose, it doesn't matter how you say it. You're going to say it in different ways, in new ways, in and, and ways that express your heart. But at the heart of that mission is still to reach one. To reach one. And when you've reached one, you reach one more. And reach one more and then become one. One body together on mission. So what God began there, it's not finished yet. He's still going. Look at Philippians chapter 2, the first verses. Paul goes on and he talks about this community. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? He's asking all these questions and saying, "Look, aren't you this community that Christ has transformed?" And then he says, "This then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose." See, it's a it's a community that continues to work together, continues to press on, that continues to say, "What is our mission? What is our purpose? What is our calling?" Yeah, we want to have, you know, seven bowls of mashed potatoes and and spend our time together and and be that community. But at the heart of that community, what continues to drive us is this mission that we've been called on. And what brings a people together, and when I think about the mission of this place and the years that we shared together, what really forged the community was the difficulties. It was the challenges. It was the hurdles that were overcome. And to know that here we still are moving forward with what God has, a new day pressing on. And some of the challenges were huge, and some of them were more on the the silly inconvenience side. And, and there's one story that just really sticks out for me. I think it was probably in our second year. We were meeting at at the middle school right up here, and uh, it was the end of summer. School was actually starting the next day, and. Because it was the end of summer, we, we had just had this reprieve from hauling equipment. How many of you guys were part of loading and unloading a trailer at different times, right? And, you know, I'm surprised I'm not hearing curse words right now, even in church. It's like, you know, you look at those things and we have bad things, bad memories of moving big pigs, we used to call them, big B-52s and these monitors and TVs. Well, it was so nice for a summer not to have to load stuff in and out and we got to leave everything set up. But now school is starting the next day. A new principal was going to begin uh, that day. I hadn't met her yet. And, uh, and so... We're finishing up. We finally loaded everything in the trailer, put the, put the gate back up. And I was up on the stage, and there was the cafeteria on the stage, and had these big panels that divided the, the stage from the cafeteria. And so we put the last big panel into place, and it was just not quite going. And sometimes those things were difficult. They weren't easy to maneuver. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just not going. I'm just going to throw my shoulder into it threw my shoulder into it and you know what i got it into place but at the same time alarms were going off and about 60 gallons per minute of water was pouring down on my head i had broken off a sprinkler head on the stage you know the, the security fire sprinklers that they have popped it right off and there was no way of stopping it alarms going off and all of a sudden the stage is flooding water's cascading down the steps into into the cafeteria took the, the fire department 20 minutes before they could get there and actually shut it off. Thousands of gallons had been flowing into this cafeteria, and the school was going to meet there the next morning. They had the students meet in the cafeteria before going on to their classes. And so the principal was called, who I hadn't met yet, you have to have a good relationship with the principal. And this was my first encounter with her. And by the time it was all done, there was $18,000 of damages, and uh, thank goodness for insurance that we had at the time. But it's one of those memories where you go, that was a bonding experience. That was a fun memory. It reminds us of, of the hard work that it took to also set up and tear down and the devotion and commitment that it took to continue to do that. Other challenges were challenges with people and with relationships and sometimes in leadership or, or sometimes it had to do with events or equipment or big challenge that we always fight and always face as a church is resources. And I remember early on we were funded by an organization that had a big donor behind it that we were receiving $2,000 a month to help get the church started until the giving of the church could sustain the church itself. And that was a great support. And I remember getting the call after the economy collapsed and things went downhill very fast, that the funding from one month to the next was going from that $2,000 to zero from outside funding. How do you make that up? But you know what? Here we are, aren't we? We continued on. We pressed on. We persevered. We pushed through. People rose up. People got their checkbooks out. People rolled up the sleeves and said, this is our church. We have believed in this vision and we're going to go forward. And you know what? It always happens and only happens with the people that are part of the church. This is your community. This is our community. Pushing on through the difficulties, through the challenges. And I know one of the big challenges you faced was the, uh, the first leadership transition here. I remember sharing with the board and saying that it's time for us to to move on, and it was one of these moments like, whoa, what do we do now, and where do we go? But you know what? That quickly turned to, let's roll up our sleeves, let's figure out what we need to do, whether it was the staff, whether it was the board. I know you guys pushed through some difficult times. And when the leadership um, transition kept taking longer than expected, it got harder, and it got harder. But you know what? Here you are. You pressed on. You pushed through. God was faithful. God led Jared and Haley here, and I'm so excited to see. Man, I love Jared's heart and and just the way that he connects with you, the community that is being built here, his passion to share the gospel, to reach the children and the youth to keep thinking, you know, we were sitting in here, he's going, okay, where do we go from here now? We just renovated this. What's next? Maybe I shouldn't say that out loud. But <laughs> but that's part of that, that passion that says, there's a future here, and I'm committed to this. And I'm this isn't just like, hey, we put a Band-Aid on, or we got through something. No, it's this is forward motion. And to see these new faces, to see you guys connecting, I love it. It's inspiring to me to, to be here this morning. Challenges bring us together. Difficulties bring us together. And so, you know, sometimes we look back and, And we look back in our lives, and it's easy to do some, you know, sometimes it's called navel gazing, right? Or you look back and you say, wow, what a great past we have. Or maybe you look back and go, wow, what a crummy past we have. Maybe you do that in your own lives. You know what the problem is with looking back, good or bad? It it stalls us. It keeps us from moving forward. So while we share some of these stories and share some of this DNA that inspires us, it's not to somehow get stuck there, but to use that to inspire us, to move us into what's coming. Look in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. Here Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Well, Paul realizes here look, it's not done. It's not over. The story isn't finished. There's still so much more that God wants to do. And here's Paul who could say, I have achieved it. Right? If you ever think about somebody who's achieved it, who would that be? Paul. <laughs> you go, This guy achieved it. I mean, he started all these churches, he was, you know, had this radical conversion experience, and he's writing, you know, what is half of our new, you know, our New Testament, our Bible, and he says, I've not achieved it. I press on until I reach perfection, until I reach the prize that Christ Jesus has called me towards, right? Hey, no passing out gifts unless I get one too, all right? (laughs) I don't know. I should ask my wife. I should find out. (laughs) Not not that I'm aware of. All right. But, you know, we can say we've achieved it. We've reached that point. But Paul says, no, we've got to keep going. We've got to press on to what he has for us. And I think about... The years here, and I think we—I think we had a hundred baptisms at least, you know, over those many years of, of being here. And I think we were just talking about another baptism, right? Did you already have it, or is it last week? Those are the celebrations for me. Life change continuing to happen, and we don't go to baptism and say, "I've arrived, I've made it." No, now we keep growing. Now keep pressing on. Some of you were coming to faith for the first time through this church. Some of you came back to 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 God and faith through this church. You know. You would left for a while and have come back. It's time for you to continue to press on, to take hold of what God has. There's one story in particular that reminds me of, of the power of pressing on. Because here's the thing. We, have you ever come to a place in your life where you feel like you've done everything you can and you're just stuck? You're just stuck. Everything you can, you're just stuck. Or it's like this, this, this merry-go-round. You go, I've been here before. I've seen this before. Whether it's in your relationship with somebody, Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's with health. Right, one thing after another, you're back again. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's just emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. You're just going. I am just keep hitting this wall. How do we keep pressing on? How do we move through? I know right now for my wife and and for our family. Uh, some of you may know. Some of you may not know. We're no longer at the church that we went to in in, in Scottsdale. Um, back in back in May, we resigned our position there under un, unfortunate circumstances. I mean, nothing. Nothing uh, personally, no, no issues with us personally, just a leadership thing. And, and so we're in this in-between time. We're in a time where we're going, all right, press on, move on, God, do something. And then it's like hurry up and wait. And it's silence. And it's crickets. And it's, God, what are you going to do? But yet, I look back and go, like, press on. God's been faithful. He's not going to fail us now. And there's a story here, and I think this very place that we're in should remind us of the power of pressing on. You see, this, this this place for us, when we were a church meeting in schools, we had nowhere to go. We had to rent places all the time. And there was the desire to say, when are we going to be able to put a stake in the ground and say we are a part of this community, physically have a place to call our own, a, a landing point from which to, to build. I remember driving past this place many different times over the years and seeing it different. You know, There was like a piano studio in here, a plumber was out of here, a handyman, I know, all different kinds of things. And, and sometimes it was for sale for $350,000. You can't pay for that. And, 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 but I remember one time driving by, and his door was open, and the owner was sitting in here, and I talked to him. He said, yeah, I'm, just gonna, I'm not selling this place. I'm just going to let it go into foreclosure. I, I can't keep up with it. I've got too many other properties, and I've got to let it go. And I said, please, can we make a short sale offer on that? And he's like, sure, go ahead. I'll give you two weeks. Two weeks well we're like when you're a young church it's like asking an eight-year-old to like finance a car right i mean it's like how are you gonna do that right (laughs) so i'm like all right we'll see what we can do but let's you know we couldn't do it in two weeks but you know what god kept i kept feeling in our spirit saying just go after it just keep pursuing and see what can happen and and uh, for me, it was like, no matter what, at least it'll, you know, come back and say, I did everything I could. We did everything we could as a church. And so we began to share the vision. We went after you know, uh, financing to try to see, would somebody lend an eight-year-old <laughs> some money? for, And somebody gave our church and said, we would, we'll lend you money, but you have to raise you know, X amount of dollars. And I think we raised about $40,000 uh, in a period of time. We did prayer walks. We were sharing the vision of the church. And we we're starting to get a sense for God wants to do something here. And this took weeks, and this took months, and the house still hadn't gone into foreclosure, and we knew time was running out, but I remember the Sunday in March was our Sunday where we were going to celebrate, everybody going to bring in the resources, see what we could do, and so we did that that Sunday, and we hit, and we surpassed our goal that we needed for cash. Then we knew we were going to get the loan, and so I was like, all right, now we can write a short sale offer. I remember that Sunday um, thinking, we did it, we pushed through, we can do this now. So I came on Monday with a realtor, and we, we uh, made a short sale offer, and he refused to accept it the owner what's going on it's just going to go to foreclosure surely okay so we've increased it, and I think 135,000 or more we made the offer uh, or even 150 and he said no no I'm just I'm, I'm just going to let it go into foreclosure and I remember hearing that on that Wednesday that week and just sitting at my in my porch in the back of the house and literally head in hand going okay God we just pushed through this for months and months put everything on the line trying to raise money we prayed about this we believe this is what you have for us How could it just be completely stuck? The house is gone, foreclosure, banks are taking investors. While I was sitting there, I get a call from our realtor, and she said, Mark, you won't believe it, but the house is going up for public auction on Friday. I'm like, two days from now, Friday? Yeah, two days from now, Friday. And it's starting at $86,135. I'm like, hello. Uh, And she said, but here's the thing, you have to have 100% of the cash to be able to bid on it. So Anyway, I went to school, teaching myself in two days. How do I bid on houses? How do I get the cash together? And we got enough together that we had some short-term money that we could bid cash up to one hundred fifty thousand. Da da da. Anyway, I showed up on the courthouse steps on Friday morning at the uh, in, in at Pinal County Courthouse, and just like you would see, like on Storage Wars, you know, when people bid up against each other, and you know they don't even want this thing, but they're going to keep bidding, hoping the other guy wastes his money there so they can get this one. People were doing that with the houses. And I'm thinking, this, is, this could be problematic, because I only have so far I can go, and we're not doing this as an investment. This is for us, you know. And so I'm watching this as the day goes along, and they're bidding each other. I'm kind of learning how it goes. And, and shortly after lunch, one of the guys who'd been investing for a couple of investors had a couple of phones and headphones. He comes up, and he goes, hey, which house are you bidding on? And I said, yeah, the one on, you know, on Road. And he goes, okay. And he walks away. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Which house are you bidding on? He said, yeah, that same one. He goes, I've got two investors. That are interested in it, and just off the cuff, I was like, "Well, you don't bet against us because we're a church, right?" I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a trump card here. Don't bet against us. We're a church." And he, without missing a beat, said, "Oh man, I don't want to go to hell." (laughs) And uh, I was like, "That's right. If you bet against us, that's what's gonna happen." And so I was like, you know, just, and I texted Shannon. I was like, Shannon, you gotta pray because we got other people that I know are interested in this property and. And a few minutes later, he comes up to me, and he, le- the guy that I just talked to, and he says, hey, uh, I got one of the investors to drop out. It's like, oh, wow. I texted Shannon, keep praying, it's working, we got one of the investors, you know, that dropped out. And uh, and then a few minutes later, some time passes, and then he comes up to me, it's getting a little bit later, and he hands me the phone, he says, here, call this number. I'm like, Who's that? He said, it's one of the other investors that, that wants the house. I'm like, okay, so cold call, a guy, I never know, I don't even know, I just start explaining to him what we're doing, and that we're interested in this house, that he is as well, and told him that's the church, we've been praying about it, really would love to do this, da-da-da. And he said, you know, from one Christian man to another, if that's what you want to do with the house, then I'm not going to bid on it either. And he said, I- I'll bow out, put me back on the line with the other guy. And it wasn't short, long after that, the last house of the day, they finally called the Tricker Road <laughs> property up for auction. And as they're calling up the auction, they give you a minute or two before that to, to get ready, this investor packs up his stuff and so do the other two or three, or four that were left. Everybody packed up their stuff and left. It was just me, one other guy from our church, and uh, and the and the auctioneer. And I couldn't believe it. And he says, "All right, I'm going to open the bidding <laughs> for at eighty-six thousand one hundred and thirty-five dollars. Do I have an opening bid?" I stepped forward confidently. Uh, <laughs> I had, you know, I had learned my my uh, my the, the, the routine. It was you bid plus one. So I said plus one, dollar uh, dollar more. And he said, "Going once." Crickets going twice, tumbleweeds three times sold one community church eighty six thousand one hundred and thirty uh, six dollars, and it was amazing. And the next day I wrote a check with the, you know for the sale. They gave me the key on that Saturday, and I remember driving back from Phoenix and walking in here with the key. We had possession. This was ours. It was that was it. It was done. There was no more sale. Nothing. We owned it outright. It was amazing, and it was such an encouraging moment for me that reminded me that when we think we have done all we can we've pressed as hard as we can we've gone as far as we can there doesn't seem to be a breakthrough in this relationship or in our health or in these scenarios or in our job and we throw up our hands and we want to give up we want to quit we need to fall on our knees and we just need to wait on God now do what you can press as you can but when we can press no more press on because God is pressing on Jesus wants to, us to break through in these moments. Do not be discouraged. And when you're in this place, remember that story every once in a while. Because it didn't end there, did it? Because I come in here and what I dreamed and would hope would happen in this place and sketches and drawings that I had that were now rolled up and balled up are now here in a much beautiful, much more beautiful way. You, you, you continue to expand, to dream, to see what's next. Jared, you're doing a tremendous job, leaders, staff. I just I'm so excited for what God wants to do because the story continues, your personal story, your faith story, the story of this church, this what you're doing in this community is powerful. Keep pressing on. You know we we still end worship services. I was encouraged after the first service when you still say always remember in Christ we are one. Right in Christ we are one. It's in that mission together that we are one. And when we we're going to be closing with communion. And when we take these elements, when we take this bread that represents Christ's broken body, and you take the cup that represents the blood that was spilled out for the forgiveness of our sins, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating a Savior who was crucified for us. But you know what we're celebrating too? A Savior who is resurrected. resurrected. And the reason we press on, and it's the reason of our faith, it's the reason of our hope, it's the story of our lives in Christianity is that after crucifixion, After trials, after difficulties, comes the resurrection. And the resurrection doesn't happen through our own power and through our own will. It only happens through Jesus Christ. And so I pray for all of us individually in our own faith and our walk with Christ that we would press on. For you as a church that we'd continue to press on and that Christ would continue to resurrect again and again hopes and dreams and visions for what he has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this place and the special memories it holds and and God as I experience this church alive and well in action this morning worshiping you living out your commands teaching children and youth and declaring the good news of faith God would you bless every person here that they would uh, face whatever it is they're facing right now individually and collectively here as a church God head on knowing that you call us to press on to receive the prize that you have for us And God, thank you for this mission, this journey that you have placed us on. We celebrate with you all that you are doing. In Jesus' name.